Tom Evans, in my opinion, is the greatest big game fly fisherman the sport's ever had. To chase world record fish around the world and do it successfully, you need a team. Today, we sit with Tom Evans, Dean Butler, and Al DePeric, the greatest fishing team ever assembled. We broke everything. We broke lines. We broke hooks. We broke rods. We broke our minds. We broke marriages. We broke the whole thing. We uh, came up with the idea of going out that night and chasing girls, and whoever had the biggest pair of panties won the pot. I knocked another arrow, and he turned around the other way, and I shot him going through the other way. So I double lunged him both ways. But it was nothing for us to paddle an air mattress out into government cut. I got him on. All right, now we're going to teach him a lesson. I'm just an old guy that likes to fish. I'm not quitting yet. And he said, well, who the hell do you think you are, Sue App? And I said, that's exactly who I am. Life's journey to the grave should not be one arriving with a pretty, well-preserved body, but rather skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke, thoroughly torn out, thoroughly used up, proclaiming wildly, wow, what a ride. <laughs> There's something fishy going on here. All right, Nikki, you got you got sound? We good? good. All right. Uh, we are here in Homosassa after what thirty-eight years. We are here in Arapica. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> We're hiding the poon house. Anyway, the great Tom Evans, Alda Perrick, and Dean Butler. You guys have amassed, uh, I would say, through you, Tom, probably the greatest fishing team of all time. And let me just recap this a little bit. Uh, over the years, you've attained 16 world records, 10 are still current, but we're talking about real fish here. We're talking about a 12-pound, 183-pound black marlin, a 16-pound blue marlin that weighs 272 pounds, a tarpon, 12-pound tarpon, that's 194 pounds, the 16 is 190. You guys have waged an incredible war, and eventually, down the road, you were inducted into the, the Fishing Hall of Fame. So that's the opener. What I'd like to say now is this recapture Homosassa, because I think it originally kind of started here. Um, when you came here with Steve Huff a number of years ago, what did you first see and what brought you to this, this poon house here in Homosassa? We'd had one of the typical Florida Keys weeks where weather was horrible, fishing was horrible. And this was 1974 or 5. So uh, Huff says, looks like it's going to be shitty for the next week. Want to take a road trip? Fine. So we drove up here, and the weather, for some reason, backed up. And we had a tropical low sitting over us when we got here. And we were motel bound and we finally got out in the water we were only here four or five days and we got out it might have been blowing easily 2025 and these things were coming surfing golden golden pones not silver 
These were gold phones. Through the surf. I can't breathe. I can't. I'm having a breakdown. I can't, can't cast. <laughs> All I could do is piss my pants. That was the beginning. So next year we said we better come back for a little while. And I think we did three weeks. But it was, yeah, that was it. I never saw anything like that. I mean, those things, when they were surfing, and they looked about that thick on high, you know, coming down that flat where we were today <laughs> in that black shit. Yeah. But they were gold. <laughs> <laughs> What was it like, you know, when at the during the peak of this whole thing, when you had all the players? Because shortly thereafter, everybody knew about it. They started to come. You know, the the names of Billy Payton, Stu Apt. Tell me some of the players, Al, that were out there, and what was this circus, if you will, like? Oh, it was crazy. Curtis, Emery, Perez. Oh, God, it goes on and on and on. Mostly Keys guides. Handful of local guys, Neil, Dan Malzone, Gary McConey, Norman Duncan fished here. Uh, but, but I'd say about 80% of the guys were, were the Keys guys. The local guys stayed on Pine Island. All the, all the Keys guys stayed up uh, home at Sassa, ran out of the river. We came out of Pine Island. But this was not just fishing. I mean, how long did you just fish to fish, and then when it become trying to kill the biggest fish out there, chasing records, or was that immediate? Immediate. So what was it like being Ahab in this world, going out on a daily basis trying to kill the biggest fish? Well, I, I, I didn't know any better because I was a northern kid, and northern kids are Yankees. And Yankees aren't wanted in the South Florida thing. And there had never been a Yankee that came down to South Florida and picked up a fly rod and went in Biscayne Bay and started to stir up any trouble. So I felt really like an outsider. I had a real chip on my shoulder. And I wanted to catch the biggest fucker I could find. Did that stem also from your previous athletic years? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I remember you were saying one time, you mentioning that this the, this fish, the poon, brought back your locker room. Oh, yeah. Explain that. Well, ju just the camaraderie and the thing. It was never so much. I was never really, other than maybe one or one person, upset about this. But it was always just me and the fish. Because the fish was such a phenomenal competitor. You know, he had everything. He had speed, grace, athleticism, and he didn't want to get caught. At least I didn't think he didn't want to get caught then because I didn't know how to catch him. And we broke everything. We broke lines. We broke hooks. We broke rods. We broke our minds. We broke marriages. <laughs> we broke the whole thing. It was it was wild, and then we learned we learned how to catch him, and it was always me and the fish. I always want I want to teach the poon a lesson. I got him on. All right, now we're gonna teach him a lesson. 
<laughs> you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> what was the lesson he taught you? Uh, humility. The chance that same thing you learn skiing. He's in the driver's seat. We're just going down the road. And it's you you know as well as I do. The poon's in the driver's seat. When you fish for the biggest poon ever, when you fish for only a personal record, it's a very different thing than just trying to catch a fish. And I've always sort of been in that mode, never wanted just because I caught fish. And I wanted to catch a big fish. I wanted to catch a world record. And 95, not 90, 80% of the time, it's a failure. But every now and then, you get success. And that success, to me, was so much more important to catch that fish than to just go fishing. Because I don't think I could have gone fishing. I had to do this. Was there a point in time where you realized that this light bulb went off and it changed your life? Was there one fish in particular that you're talking about? When I saw him come down the thing, woof, gold, woof, <laughs> woof. And it was blowing so fucking hard we couldn't get the fly out of the boat. We had three anchors out. Cast over there! I can't get the fly. It's stuck in the back of my head, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> I remember the story you were mentioning before about how the poon ate you through all your, your food in the morning, and you end up with only one fly. Tell me what happened that afternoon. Oh, we were in the cock hall. Memorial Day. Coming up Saturday, this coming Saturday. Went to the cock hall about dawn. And he was there. I don't know. That that box, I have 14 flies or something like that. So we caught, you know, we didn't bring him to the boat like you, you would to say caught. Okay, I kill him. He, there he is in gaff range and break him off because he wasn't big enough or anything. So we caught 14 there, and then we were, ran out of flies. We had one fly we called the I-beam. Is that Which, fishing with L? Were you fishing no, with L? it's fishing no. with Huff. Huff. Okay. And it was on a 5 aught I don't know what, but it was a piece of metal. that Because we've been busting, these hooks were breaking and bending and everything. Everything was going. And, and this is on 15, before they fucked the leaders and everything up with the, all this to make it easy so everybody could do its thing. And we threw <laughs> this thing... <laughs> And went down that flat, and we caught six fish and had to catch every one. Because if we didn't catch him, we had to go home. And they're 140 to 177. What an afternoon. After emptying the box, 14. So we basically added, I wouldn't say it, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah. Al, what was... Uh, your marriage, how did you guys get introduced, and, and what did you initially think when you guys got together? How did you find Al, and, and how did you end up with, with Tom? It was Tinder. And I'll bring you in here in a minute. That's all right. That's yeah. You got involved, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, I had to earn my, my wings. I mean, I, I started off with people that couldn't fish very well, 
back in, uh, I didn't start up here until about 76. And uh, I started with my friend Neil Sigvarson, got me started. And then I started guiding with Freddie Archibald. And we used to stay on the island and run out of the Riverside Villas. And I took his overflow. Took his overflow to get started. And uh, shit, I had people couldn't cast 40 feet. And we could still catch fish. There was plenty of fish. And then uh, I started getting better and better customers. I started fishing Danny Malzone, who was very good back in the day. Still is good. And uh, I fished Chris Parkening for a long time. And... Uh, I think Mike Suchek was fishing Tom at the time. I was being tortured. He was being tortured, and uh, Suchek decided he was going gambling. He wasn't going to guide anymore. Last day of the pone season for me in 83, I think. And Suchek says, there's no reason for me to fish with you. Al's got an open day. Better get on his boat. And I was headed to the Tampa airport that night with Tanya. And we got on that boat. I don't remember whether we caught four or six, but we fucking smoked them. We caught six. And I thought, holy mackerel, I'm back in the game again. <laughs> so that's when you got your guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I was, uh, I'd seen him all over the place, you know, the Riverside Villas. And I'd think, who is that big bastard? <laughs> I'd see him in the evenings. We'd fish all day and he'd be running out to the highway. I'm like, God, training. Dang. This fucking guy's a real deal. I mean, it fucking calf's the size of most men's thighs, you know. I'm like, God dang. And then I found out who he was, and I'd see him around the riverside. And I was thinking the whole time, if this clown ever fished with me, we'd fuck him up, you know, because <laughs> I knew we could get him. And then finally the time came along where we got to fish together, and I said, the first day I took him, I said, I'm going to fucking wear his ass out. <laughs> and you I, couldn't. I remember the first place I went to, I had him dialed in. I said, hey, you see that big black spot up there? He goes, that big dark looking thing up there and i go yeah dude that's all fish he goes nah come on i mean i just shut the fucking motor that's off a rock I, spot. I knew exactly where they were going to come in i had them dialed in he fucking made one cast and was hooked up and the rest of the day we just smoked them from there on out i went to that airport we stayed in the airport motel and get an early morning flight to tampa to new york and i couldn't sleep my back was in spasms all night and I, I was in pretty decent shape. I was not. I was old, but not real old. I was forty-three, maybe, or something like that. Stud. I, <laughs> trust me. Doesn't sound old now. <laughs> well, well. Then, Dean, you came into the picture. What, what did you first see? I mean, you were a number of years later. You obviously became the gaff guy, if you will, because of the dynamics of trying to catch this fish and they needed help and, and you were the guy from australia and so you came to the poon house later yeah well, my first trip to home Sasser in the pine island flats was after fishing 30 days with tom marlin fishing in in australia he came down to marlin fish he wanted to catch a marlin and he wanted to talk about marlin when we first talked on the phone and all i could talk to him about was tarpon because he just told me the first thing he said that made me pay attention was that he'd caught a 180 pound 179 something. 179 something on 12 pound and we as Australians we've got no tarpon but we were young we were into fly fishing and we had marlin to go fly fish with, for but really all we wanted to do was see those big tarpon on the flats and now I'm talking to a guy that's just caught 180 pound 179 something on 12 pound so I'm interested straight away and then he tells me that the thing didn't break uh, the tip it didn't test 
and um, some jerk in the IGFA said, don't worry, just go get another one. They're everywhere, you know, like a 180-pounder on 12. So that was my first conversation with Tom. And then he came marlin fishing. We had a great marlin fishing season that first year. At Blue 30, we caught nothing. But I got to know Tom and and uh, he invited me to come back here. And I think it was 2002? One. 2001. So I came back and I got to meet Al and Tom. No, no maybe it was two. Yeah, I think it was 02. I think it was Because we fished our first season. Be- because one was that, we went to Coco, so it was the That's next right, year. yeah, yeah. So you're talking 17 years ago. That's when I first came into the Poon House. And 18. Just blew my fucking mind. I've seen, like, these guys are the best of the best. And, you know, the reason that Tom and Al did so well right at the start, I get, I understand, because I know how bad some of the... You had good guides with Huff and that, but when you two got together and he just knew he had a good guy at the front, you knew he had a good guy at the back. And I got to sit stand on the boat with these two guys knowing that I'm fishing with the best of the fucking best in the best fishing hole in the world. So I'm paying attention to that, and I was lucky enough to catch a couple of fish. Made three casts, got 160, 170. Not too shabby <laughs> for a beginner. He, was, he, wanted to get to, he, wanted, he wanted to be on the bow. It, it was pretty cool. It was, like, unbelievably cool. So it was quite a few. Me and Tom did a lot of marlin fishing after that each year, and Tom was coming back and fishing with Al each year. And 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 what year did you catch the 16-pound fish? you got to ask Mastermind over there. 203. So 203, wow. only the next year. I'm I'm at home, and it's funny because I'm at home, it's in the morning in my world. In their world, they've just whacked this giant fish. They're drunk. They're rolling around. I think Tom's falling through walls. And oh, they're having yeah. the bad. And I'm getting all this first thing in the morning. I said, oh, I just wish I was there. The Poon House has got me already. And that's uh, that was 203. And then I don't think I came back until... You caught the sixteen, uh, the twelve pound fish in two thousand and ten. So I get the other, the next drunken phone call. <laughs> Best fish that was ever caught in a fly rod, as far as I'm concerned. I'm sure you agree. Twelve pound test, one hundred ninety four pound tarpon. Fucking throw it away. It's done. Best ever. So I like it the way one ninety five because he's hey Edward weighs one ninety five in my world. One ninety four and a half. Fuck one ninety five. Throw a mullet on the way in. Don't and he bled a little bit. A lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> so, ju- just to, I'll get right to the end there now. But then when Tom started thinking about eight pound, and Al, Al you know, like Al can handle it all, but it's a three-man gig, eight pound. Right. And I'd killed some fish, marlin fish with Tom. And, um, yeah, I put my hand up as soon as the job came up. I want to come and be a part of the eight pound fish, right. you know. What uh, when you go through all these records that I just mentioned, what when you step back, what does that say to you and you, Tom? You know, obviously it's hugely successful, but tell me a little bit about the misery and the pain that goes <laughs> along with this. Well, I'll, I'll I'll let Tom Tom can do the misery. No, I, I, you can I do the misery. I, I can't remember it because pain is something in my life I've lived with it. And I don't remember it. I have an ability. I forget it. On paper, it looks easy. Five, six, seven, eight tarpon rec- world records. <laughs> this dude's caught a world record 
every decade for the last five. We're in the poon house. We caught nine world record marlin, and it, it's fucking easy to say that. But if you were to start to sit down and work out what we actually did and what we put ourselves mm. through to do that, you would fucking have no idea how it, hard that is. The Not whole, even the whole, that, that's what blows me away. People, the people, and uh, well, you got to be, you got to have a team that wants the fucking same result. Right. But and this is this is where our game's going down the toilet because. Not everyone wants to catch, and not nor should they even try to, because it is so hard. But the the stuff that we went through to put those fish in the boat, and and the the, the what they've done here in 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 Florida, it's ridiculous how hard that stuff is. Do people do that anymore? Is there anybody no out one's, there chasing these you know records what, like this? Forget about how much it might cost to do. There's very few human beings that have the fucking guts, determination. determination and desire that this bloke does. Right. And he always says it's about the team around him, but there's fucking no team without the dude that wants to do that's it. Right. So end right, of fucking right. story. As far yeah. as I'm concerned, it starts, that's the top. But you can end up with a bunch of turkeys. And you don't get yeah. nothing what, done. What these guys went through. But, I mean, so it, it's a team effort. It, it, yeah. it, it was like winning the World Series. It was like... it. What was your best celebration? Seventy-five, after the big fish? seventy-five tippets hung up in the fucking boat, broken, broken. tippets, seventy-five fucking twelve-pound broken tippets, no fish. Before you caught one, what tippet was that? Twelve-pound on striped marlin. And striped marlin. That was only one trip. I think we probably went through a hundred. I think I don't know how many fish we. You caught you, you. You broke a hundred tippets before you caught a fish. We broke seventy-five tippet, uh, tippets in three weeks, and and fucking said, yep. you know what? Maybe this twelve-pound shit's too light. Let's put six. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's put sixteen on. We, we, we caught one straight away. We put sixteen on the next morning and went out and caught a two thirty-one. That was the roll. But I didn't record. catch it. Dean caught it. We were throwing the wrong tip at those fish. We didn't. We they were, were stupid. We big were striped marlin. We were delirious with everything. Yeah. So you know, and one one thing with Tom is it's you. It takes you know, like you get good at it because you're slow to learn. You don't fucking knee jerk your way through it. You just keep putting one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, and then all of a sudden something fucking good happens, you know, and. We were always slow to get good at it. But but that's the process. With of this. course it's it so is hard. because most people will never get good at it because they want that. Right. And that ain't there for this shit. Right. And it ain't there out there. You know, like we're sitting out there today. We've been here 29 days, 28 days. I think we fished our 29th day today. We've watched people come and go. The fishing's been good and bad. You know what? At the end of today, it was fucked. There was cloud. There was smoke. There was fucking nothing good about tarpon fishing Blowing like there. a Blowing like a And there is fish coming down the flat. And we look around. There's not a soul to be seen. And it wasn't bad fishing. And they were fucking chewy. Mm-hmm. We because got, there wasn't anybody there. We got, right. Yeah, but mm-hmm. you know who was there? We were fucking there. Mm-hmm. 30 days into it and we were still fucking there so I guess that's kind of like the testament and the statement for your careers you were I there guess. you yeah. were there well we put our time in yeah big time what was it like uh, for you and you too gaffing these big monster records knowing that this is a dangerous game more dangerous for him than me He's he's the gaff master. He's very good at what he does. Well, still, you killed some big fish. Yourself. Oh, I've killed some big tarpon, no doubt. But with Tom, with Tom, he was so good at fighting them that when he got them to the boat, 
it really wasn't a huge challenge. You're I don't tired. think I don't think I had many fish that I gaffed for him, which we didn't kill a lot of fish. We were very careful about killed the fish we maybe killed. two or three i don't think we did we ever hang one that wasn't a world record no i didn't think so and, and i think uh, we only gaffed two that were world records yeah and and uh i mean even when we caught that 180 on 12 that didn't test uh which we thought we'd broke the record initially he looked around at me and uh we had already thrown at those fish once and they came back by and he, he hooked up and i was kind of fucking around you know he said ow Will you pay attention for a minute? This is a pretty big fish. <laughs> I think you brought it over the boat. Didn't I lip gaff it? Or yeah. did I kill gaff that no. one? No. Yeah. We only killed yeah. two. Yeah. With a kill gaff. When, when the thing that Holland took the picture of. Yeah. After that, I said, I'm too old. I'm not doing any more of this touchy-feely kill the Right. So, yeah, we were real real careful about the amount of fish. I, we I, I never wanted to harm the phone. Right, oh, right. But the right Even way. though and he treated us as bad as he did. Oh, he treated us real bad, <laughs> fucker. <laughs> yeah, you know, but we, we put more 4576s back in the water. And, oh, he's not big enough. Right. One after another after another. We just kept saying... Don't he grow bigger than 180 pounds? What the hell's going on here? We so were what catching, is 45? We were catching 180s like that. What is prob- that? Religious 185 all the time. It just wasn't a big deal. So right. so uh, how stupid is that? Because it could be 180 or 190. Remember that hindsight shit. We should have learned about that a lot earlier. Oh Jesus! T- tell me about this photograph right here, which I think is probably. You know, I'll show this right here. Probably the greatest photograph, tarpon photograph ever taken. Yeah, that's a you good know one. that's a big old fish. Tell me, tell me that day, and tell me the story about that photograph. That uh, was that the day before they caught the two hundred pounder. Steve caught it. Same area. We were out out off a place called uh, the High Rack. Fish were coming through there. Um, I think we'd already caught one or two that morning, and uh, we hooked this one and. Didn't we brought that fish to the boat, right? Didn't I grab it and it jumped up, hit me in the face or something? Yeah, it hit you in the face, fell I off. I grabbed it. I grabbed it by the lip. Took the, took the hook out of it, fell down seven feet of water. I, I, I got I thought, the gaff. I put it in his face. Yeah. Straightened him out, and halfway up, he swam away. Oh, fuck. And I thought, I better die. And I thought, no, bully, I don't know. I don't go in salt water anyhow. <laughs> well, we should have. we could have killed it, but we hesitated. So well, you thought. caught it. What, what it was, it was caught and released. Yeah. And, big one. Uh, How big do you think that fish was? I don't know. You don't. You don't know. You know, pictures. It's as big as I wanted. Two twenty or one hundred and eighty. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, it's it's hard to tell till you till you put them on a scale. It's really. But it's for me, it's the next. I day, usually got a pretty good idea. The next day, go. they caught a two o two. The big pone was around. And, and was that the guys that took that photograph? His yeah. son caught the So they were working nearby yeah. at the yeah, time. Yeah. Huh? They were sucking our ass. It was caught right behind us. Yeah. We had already thrown to the school of fish. Was there any resentment with uh, Jim Holland Jr. catching the 202? He was new to the game. He was a good angler, I didn't obviously. give a shit about the 20-pound the because it's not fly fishing. Right. Well, and that the, was instilled be, because Because of, that was my hate for Billy Pate. Not that I want to do that, but the guy did everything he could to screw this sport for his own benefit rather than for what it is. And there's no reason to have ever put 10 kg on the flat to catch these fish. We went 
in one point from 12 right. to 15 to 16 to metric, 17.8 something. And then he sticks 10 kg, which is 22, which basically, if you're using Mason, is 23 or 4. You can't break that. Right. The, 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 you'd have to be the stupidest person in the world to break it. Well, I think initially maybe that might have made sense for Billfish. Oh, for for that stuff. That's fine. But but he was doing it only to go to Africa, hoping he, he wouldn't go in a pot. Yeah. Um, well, tell me about so the two hundred two. Tell me about Raketa. Where did that name come from, and what did that that term represent? So Raketa was this, this mythical, gigantic. Tarpon. Tell me the story about how Huff ends up catching Raketa. Oh, you don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah, <you> do. <laughs> Huff has an insides, you know, he can eat anything. And I, I, I was so keyed up over these things. I, I used to eat fried fish, but fried fish killed me. We ate at the fried fish place every night. I had the shits every day, but that was fine. But this day, I guess I didn't have it, or it came back, and I didn't have a butt plug. <laughs> we go out there, and I say to Steve, I got to take a shit, get up on the front and everything, stand guard and everything, and I'm hanging off the back of the fucking boat. And he says, here comes, here comes the bone. Here comes Raketa. No, he didn't say that because he's not that. Uh, I won't get into that. And he makes a cast. And he said, whoa, hurry up. This is a big fish. I said, I'm on my way, man. <laughs> and I get my pants up. And he said, I'm turned us loose. I said, that's good. And crank the motor up. And down the flat we go. And everything is going around the boat. We put it in neutral. He said, would you mind gaffing it? I said, no, I have no problem with that. Gaff the thing, pull in the boat. Said, Holy fuck, that's a big <laughs> this thing. <laughs> and off we go to the crab shack with it. And that was that, 186 pounds. But he never entered it. No, he wouldn't do it. I'm a guide. I'm a guide. I said, well, you fucked the whole thing up. You know, what am I going to do? You, you know, put it in, for God's sake. Everybody knows you. No, I'm a guide. I don't do that. Well, it's kind of interesting he had that perspective because you were working so hard to catch this fish, and just by chance he, he gets it. I mean, I can see it going either way. I don't want it. He caught the fish. Anyway. It should have been weighed and, and yeah. bloody. Uh, it was an achievement at the yeah, time. It, was a, it, was a, it, it should have gone. What year, was, what year was that? Seventy-seven or eight. It's amazing I, um, how he remembers years. And how? Um, no, no, because this was pretty compressed. Yeah. The, yeah. This stuff, and I don't know whether it was seventy-seven or eight, but it, it, it was it was there. And how many years before you felt that you? Because it was about you as much as him. He caught the fish, put the fish in the book, and that gives us something to chase. He. It's a new barrier. Yeah, but yeah. It, I thought it was disrespectful. It was. Not to put it in the book. It was. Right. right. It was. You, you, know what he, you know what I would have done? And I love Steve Huff. Don't fucking worry about that. But I would have broke the fucking thing off before I put it in the boat. 
Yeah, if you weren't going to weigh it, you should have. Fuck Why yeah. kill it? Right, right, right. End of story. Yeah. And that's no, all I, I got it. on that. What made you the guy that you are? Why are you better than these other guys out here? I'm going to get to you with the Marlin here in a second. Probably just because that's the way I've been with everything. That's the way Persistent. I go. Persistent. Cool. I just I don't want to be second, and I can't stand to lose. Were I can't any, stand to have somebody outfish me. It drives me crazy. Were there any anglers or guides out there that you guys hated that you just was that just did not want? How about Lopez in the toilet seat? Tell me that story. Well, he's a dickhead <laughs> and everything. <laughs> and he he'd been in the bar and everything and so he he goes one day he's not out there on time, you know, like he's coming out at ten o'clock in the morning. I've escaped. Some he went off with some school teacher and everything and he makes an announcement on the radio to everybody. I've escaped, I'm here now. And everything And he was an angler? Yeah. So they were redoing the toilets and everything, and he had a boat, a Hughes, a yellow, and it was called the Yellow Banana. And all the toilets were out in front of the riverside, so I half shit-faced one night, and I stuck a toilet on the, the bow of his boat, and he goes out in the morning and everything with his pants down sitting on the toilet. <laughs> oh, Miss in the good, <laughs> good old days. How did you decide to go chase Marlin, and how did you find Dean? Uh, oh, that's that's an easy story. Marlon were easy because William Pate had introduced 20 pound and was looking for 30 and was looking for three meters and flying, flying gaffs. And I thought, I said to Tanya, I said, I've had it. I can't stand this 91 or two or something like that. And it was just after we caught those two on 16 that that went to 20 when though said i was cheating and everything and all that that shopping around shopping shopping around cheating Mm -hmm. and had enough with you fly fish people that's the igfa my first introduction of these (laughs) but anyhow it was 92 and i thought I can't stand this. And I, I said to Tanya, I'm going to go down to Costa Rica and I'm going to catch straight Marlon in 12. It shouldn't take more than a day or two. <laughs> <laughs> right, oh, Dean? Oh, huh? boy. Uh, so, well, you probably have heard this a lot, right? Oh, no. No, it's good. It's a good story. because So he f- hard. And uh, that was that. And I sort of, but I kept, trying it and tanya was smarter than i am she said you're never going to catch him down there with those people and chan finally said there's a guy in australia port stevens that seems to be setting world records on fly on these things every day maybe you ought to get hold of him (laughs) (laughs) which i did and i got his wife and i said i'd like to come down for 30 days or something like that and I guess Dean got home and said, I think I caught a big fish today. <laughs> I'd, I'd had arguments. I said to my wife, you know, we're trying to run this business. It's a new, you know, we're developing this business right. fishing and we're catching the shit out of fish. But I'm fishing every day and I'm not getting my phone messages. I'm, someone rang about this or that and I need the bookings. And the very first message I think she ever wrote down was, I just spoke to a guy called Tom Evans. He sounds like a big fish. 
So, right. <laughs> he is a big fish <laughs> in more ways than one. So uh, my first conversation with Tom was about pretty much about the 12-pound test 179 and whatever that didn't go, and that was me straight away. And I said, well, fuck, yeah, you want to come down? We can, we're catching them pretty good. And and I'm thinking, oh, this is another, another seven days in my fucking season you know beauty right. i'm gonna get this thing out to 50 this year or 60 and he said well i want to come down for a month <laughs> <laughs> you don't do thing in little bits you no. don't catch them in little bits no. no you don't not if the only thing you had was bad as luck so, well yeah so the very first thing he says to the day and he was not in a good humor when i met him because he wasn't a good traveler and i've taught you how to travel a little better and and deal with shit that you weren't very good at dealing with but when i got him at the first fucking second i thought oh my god this guy's it's the middle of summer he's coming out of the middle of winter he's still wearing woolly socks and complaining about it's hot and i said well fuck take your socks off (laughs) (laughs) that might help (laughs) but uh the very first thing he said to me was if it won for bad you'd have none at all and i said well shit man i don't believe in luck let's just get our shit together and get out there and fuck he was right he's got a lot of bad luck (laughs) and we fished Uh, we fished 20 to 30 knots of wind every day in the middle of the pacific ocean we got absolutely flogged and i do believe that we actually only caught one male one black marlin about about 80 pounds yeah and we ate it for lunch and he was good yeah we had Yeah, I knew. And we drove that captain pretty crazy, and then we got him at Aladala with 76 broken tippets, and we sent him one over the moon. (laughs) He absolutely (laughs) lost any sanity that ever was living there. One of the the things about, like, marlin fishing, it's like any, you know, like, one of the great things about Al as a fishing guide, I'm sure, and all the great tarpon fishing guides, you do the very best you can to get the angle, get the shot, and if a client fucks it up, he fucks it up. Right. End of story. No right. worries. I'll go do another one. Find another one. But with marlin fishing captains, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's different. They need to be able to put some shit on the board. They need to put a flag up the pole at the end of the day. Is it an ego thing or is it a commercial professional the, thing I think, that they got to promote? I think the bigger the boat, the bigger the ego, I guess, because the fucking egos of marlin fishing are out the fucking door big, you know. Right. But what, you know, and some of the greatest fishermen in the world are running around 50-foot boats catching marlins, but we have we have busted more than our fair share of captains that are, <laughs> that are really good at catching them on conventional tackle, but the the, the difference between catching them on a... 30 foot leader and a 12 inch leader it's it does push stretch them and you know we've had great results with i think we caught nine world records with six different captains or and and maybe five i don't know but the other five are locked up yeah (laughs) (laughs) so uh, and i'll i'll go on record have done many times catching a marlin on fly is the most ridiculous Ridiculous way to try and catch a marlin. It is fucking ridiculous. But he wanted to catch the biggest fish ever on a fly rod. And he always said the tarpon never grew big enough. Mm-hmm. So after your time in Costa Rica, and then we went and we started catching, we lost a lot of big, bigger fish. Now, I remember gaffing a fish 600 pounds for you one day that fucking won. But um, Tom's caught the biggest ever. And, and you know, 
A lot of persistence. Uh, yeah. Flo- uh, a lot of pain. A thousand days for nine fish. How is your hand? Uh, How did you hurt your hand? Um, oh, that was as a young man. I fell out of a boat, got run over by a 35-foot Bertram and had the propellers. Got it. Got it. I thought it was a wiring fish, a thousand-pound fish story, but you had a... No, no, it wasn't that. It wasn't as gruesome as that. <laughs> it was 165 stitches in a helicopter ride. Oh, God. What's, uh, what's the greatest fish you've ever caught? Um, with Tom, you know. Oh, well, the, the best fish... I think Tom's caught three of the greatest fish ever on a fly rod, and I believe the best one he ever caught was the one Alan he caught, the 194 and nearly 195 on 12, tarpon. Our best fish was a 273-pound blue marlin on 16-pound test. Um, we we spent a big amount, of, you know, we put a concerted effort into fishing Vanuatu. I remember ringing Tom up, Tom up from Vanuatu in about 2001 or two after having just spent a little bit of time with him and seen all these two to 300-pound blue marlins. We're trying to catch them on light tackle for actually Gary Carter. Yeah, and I rang Tom up and said, "Fuck, there's a little blue marlin here that we can catch on a fly," and we'd not ca- we'd caught one blue marlin, and um, we ended up catching that two seventy three on sixteen after a million days of fucking effort and losses and blah blah blah, and I couldn't even begin to tell you how many fish we didn't catch that would have made that fish look ridiculous. But I think it's 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 a true testament to the uh, how big a deal that particular fish is because to this day no one's boated a 300 pounder on fly rod uh, a marlin of any description um and that was always our plan we got a 289 we got it on 20 and a 273 on 16 we didn't get a 300 we fought a lot that could have done the job we put one in the boat that may even have done it but it didn't work on the scales for whatever reason but yeah, so that 273 on 16, that's, that is, to me, if the greatest tarpon record ever and the greatest marlin record ever, there it is. Those there and two there. The, the Those two, fish. and he caught them both. What and, was it uh, like for you to gaff these big fish, knowing that these are really dangerous animals? Just what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Anything th- twice about it. Not even a fucking second. You're all in. Tom, after all these years, I mean, it was, uh, you had a big spread there. Um, 32 years from your first world record to your to your last world record. Um, and I think that uh, one way to summarize this is the great Hunter S. Tom- Thomas, uh, Thompson. Thompson said, life's journey to the grave should not be one arriving with a pretty, well-preserved body, <laughs> but rather skid in broadside in a s- cloud of smoke. Fuck you! Thoroughly <laughs> torn out, <laughs> thoroughly used up, proclaiming wildly, wow, what a ride. Yeah. So, gentlemen, I mean, really, I mean, what you guys have done will never be seen again. And I just want to thank you for, uh, for joining us today. Love you guys. When Tom Evans was inducted into the IJFA Hall of Fame, I equated it to Babe Ruth in Cooperstown. Tom Evans was the man. But he couldn't have done it without a great team behind him. These guys were under the radar for years. It was great to hear some of their stories. If you'd like to see more content or behind the scenes, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.